Blog Talk Radio. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Carrie Edelman Radio Show. Tonight I am extremely excited as I'm a huge fan of horror, and we have a horror filmmaker coming on tonight named Jim Haggerty. And you can check him out at yellowape.net, and we'll be plugging that website all night tonight, as well as his upcoming project I know that he is currently working on and recently had a fundraiser with. But before I bring him on the show and give the audience some information about who Jim Haggerty is, I just wanted to fill people in on the concept of my show. If you are tuning in for the first time tonight, I launched the show back in last March slash April-ish of 2011, and I really wanted to create a forum where I could bring people on in the entertainment industry that are doing various types of things, whether you're a musician, a filmmaker, an entrepreneur, an author, and really support the people and help them get their names out there to the masses as I know personally how difficult it can be, especially when you're managing everything on your own, to uh, get your products and uh, things out there. So a little bit about background on myself is um, I'm a clinical psychologist. I have my doctorate degree in clinical psychology, and um, I've always enjoyed interviewing people. And then my other passion is involved in entertainment, and that includes um, doing some writing for some magazines on psychology and the entertainment industry, particularly with regards to marketing and advertising and promoting yourself to get your name out there. Um, I'm also a singer-songwriter with a full-length album out as a solo artist uh, under Carrie Edelman, and that can be found on any major digital sites if you're interested in uh, checking it out. And I always close my show with uh, one of the songs off of my album. And uh, again, my other interest was doing the radio show to really bring a forum to support people out there. So on my show, people are going to get a really good taste of what these people's lives are like and what it's like to be in their profession. And a couple of things I just kindly ask people to keep in mind, um, whether it's my guests or people who call in, is that although I'm a clinical psychologist, the show is not meant to be providing any type of formal therapy on the air or treatment. Um, I'm very open to answering broad uh, general questions in uh, the psychology realm. But uh, I'm not a Dr. Phil, and I, I don't want to confuse my uh, my two careers and, and make myself into a pop psychologist, although I have to admit I do find the stuff entertaining. Um, but that is not uh, what I'm going to do as a professional. And secondly, I do want my guests to feel free to talk about any intriguing, controversial stories, uh, exciting experiences that they have encountered in their profession but I do ask that they keep any specific uh, names of persons or organizations anonymous as the show is not meant to embarrass any specific uh, persons or organizations, but I do want people to be real. So if you're tuning in, please create a Blog Talk Radio account by going to blogtalkradio.com, and you can call in tonight at 805-243-1320 if you want to ask Jim any questions, and I have all that information up in the chat room too. Now, because I'm doing this show by myself and I don't have uh, persons working for me like a lot of radio shows do, I will do my best to go back and forth between the switchboard, the chat room, um, my own notes that I have for Jim. So, again, if for some reason I am not in the chat room, please call in to ask any questions that you may have. And finally, the show will be available as a podcast after it is over. If anyone tunes in a little late or um, if anyone wants to promote it after it's over, it will be available to listen to at your convenience. You can download it. You can stream it. um, And it will be there eternally as long as I have this uh, radio show going. 
Okay, so let me give people some information and background on Jim Haggerty, and then we will bring him on the show. So Jim is a New York native, and uh, he describes himself as being a movie fanatic ever since he was a little kid. And he'll talk tonight. I'm really curious to ask him about, um, he talks about how he was going to be going to film school, and then uh, for whatever reason, it just wasn't his thing. So he had kind of backed out of the film industry for a little bit and switched majors by going and taking a job with Sony Music, where he had hosted a public access television show called The Jim Haggerty's Rock and Roll Party. And I definitely want to see what that was all about because that sounds really uh, interesting and entertaining. But back in 1999, um, after he had been involved in the music industry for a little while, uh, his true passion came back to being the filmmaker, and that had resurfaced. And that's when he started writing uh, his first screenplay, which was titled The Slasher. And that led into another uh, horror comedy called I Dream of Dracula. And those he uh, describes as being some micro-budget films, uh, which were the initial ones he released. After that, he went into writing and producing um, his other horror films that he currently has out, and I got a chance to check one of them out, and it was really good. Um, I watched From the Inside, and I I really liked the perspective that he wrote it from, and I don't want to give much away in case people do want to purchase it, um, but he has a really cool style of writing, and you kind of never know what's coming around the corner with him, which is a cool thing when you're looking at horror films. Um, He also wrote a horror anthology called Grave Danger, a supernatural thriller called Witchmaster General, and his films have featured some major uh, actresses and um, actors in it, including Queen of Scream, actress Susie Lorraine, and I was fortunate to have her on my show. Gosh, it was months ago, so if anyone wants to check out the podcast with her, uh, she was a great interview. And also uh, Vic Martino from The Sopranos. So presently he is working on a new film, which is called When Death Calls, and he's going to talk about that tonight. And again, if people want to visit his website, go to yellowape.net. And that's the word yellow, uh, the animal ape, A-P-E, dot net. Okay, so I think I've, I've given an earful here, so let's bring Jim on. Hey, Jim, how are you? Hi. Hey, how are you? Good, good, doing good. Good. Well, welcome to the show tonight. It's really exciting to have you on and uh, help promote your uh, current films and uh, what you're up to. Thank you very much. I'm excited to be here. Nice. Cool. So, um, yeah, so, and again, feel free to interrupt me at any time or digress if there's anything that, you know, you want to plug or that you want to talk about. I'm very uh, open-minded and flexible with my show. Okay. Well, I mean, we just, right? did a fund- we just did a fundraiser this weekend um, for the company since we're, you know, micro-budget, no-budget, whatever you want to call it. And okay. uh, did really well. And um, cool. I, I thought since uh, I'm talking to your audience tonight, we've actually extended it tonight. So if anybody wants to swing by yellowape.net, if any of this sounds interesting, uh, it's kind of a cool fundraiser where if you buy one of the films we have available or you make a donation, we will thank you in uh, the credits of our next film. And you'll be thanked on the Internet Movie Database, which is kind of nice. Nice. So that's, that's really available cool. tonight. I guess if you're listening to the playback of this, it, it'll be over. But if you're listening to it live, then it's uh, it's there. And, okay. Um, okay. Uh, apart from that, uh, I guess nothing else really to plug. But um, how are you? 
I'm very good. How are you? We'll, we'll definitely get to the new film that you're going to be working on, too, you know, a little later in the show, because um, I definitely want to talk about that so we can kind of intrigue people and uh, keep them on their toes for what's up next with uh, you and your your film production. Um, so the thing, the fundraiser will end tonight, is that what you're saying? Yeah, we just extended it another night because I'm doing the show, okay. and I just thought maybe a lot of your fans aren't familiar with me and may think, oh, hey, this, sure. this, this sounds really cool. And so we thought we'd we'd put it out one more. It's, it's, it's the Carrie Edelman Show special uh, evening of the fundraiser. So. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you. I'm I'm honored to be a part of it and to uh, support your, your films and everything you guys are doing with Yellow Wave. So that's really cool. Thank you very much. Uh, so well, I'm honored uh, to be on your show. I'm a big fan. I, I've I've heard your show before, and uh, and I'm really pleased to uh, be interesting enough to be a subject on it. <laughs> I guess if you want to put it like that, um, yeah. Well, no, thank you so much. I know you had reached out to me a while back, and I I appreciate it. And it's it's interesting for me because again, being a psychologist, I'm also involved in research and stuff in my career, and I'm very interested in statistics to see, you know, how many people reach out to me, how many do I reach out to, and so it was it was a very um, pleasant surprise that you did reach out to me and, you know, had heard of the show, so I'm very honored about that. Um, so, again, I'm a huge fan of horror. Um, I always have been growing up, maybe that's uh, no surprise that I work uh, as a forensic psychologist in prison, but that's a side story. <laughs> um, <laughs> So let's talk about you. I'm really curious to know, because you said you were kind of a, a horror fanatic as a, a young kid. And uh, what, did you say in your bio that you had your, you were kind of like, you, you kind of somehow get your grandma to take you to see these films? Well, no, my, I, I I was just really just a movie fanatic. I mean, from a very okay. young age, I was just obsessed with, I, to me, it was, it was just the coolest thing, you know, movies. You just go and sit there and be taken to another place for two hours and sure. you know where a lot of people at the, back then um you know because there wasn't much cable television there weren't vcrs it was you know way back when and so people eh, you know every couple of months may have gone to a movie it wasn't like as probably as, as big a pastime as it is now i think people watch a lot more movies now but from a very young age i really loved movies you know, and my grandmother it was just she was very cool. Um, I, I always think back to um, when I was probably you know twelve, thirteen years old. I used to always ride my bike to the video store, and uh-huh. I'd rent movies, and I'd always rent something that the whole family could watch. You know, like you know, Vacation or Mr. Mom or something like that. And then I'd rent some really gory horror movie that I would watch <laughs> when everyone went to bed. So right. I just remember. Uh, you remember that movie Silent Night, Deadly Night, you know, with the Santa Claus killer? The you know, big... I di- I can I can actually, and I'm very visual. I can actually see the uh, the you know the video sleeve for it, but I don't know if I ever. And I rented a lot of bad ones when I was you know growing up too. I don't know if I ever actually saw that one though. Well, at the time, but I do, it I do know out, what you're talking about. Right at the time it came out, it was a very big controversy about it. You know, when it was in theaters, you know, church groups were protesting it, and people were saying this is horrible, it's a terrible movie. So I remember coming home, and my grandmother, you know, said to me, "Oh, what you rent?" I said, "Oh, I rented, you know, whatever, whatever the, the family movie was." He said, "What's the other right. one?" And I was like, "Oh, I, I rented that, you know, that that Santa Claus killer movie that was out that everyone was talking about." And I remember my grandmother saying, "Oh." All right, well, wait till your folks go to bed. We'll stay up and watch that one. I mean, nice. she, <laughs> she was just cool like that. So, yeah, That's so awesome. she was very often, 
she was always the one I could convince to, yeah, let's go see this. Ah, rated R. What could be wrong with it? You know. Right, so, right, right. <laughs> so she was a lot of fun. She was always my my accomplice in 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 these things. But yeah, and I grew up and I loved horror movies, and I just wanted to make movies when I got older. And uh, you know, as I got older, I went to a college that didn't have a great film program. Okay. And um, you know, I I was getting very interested in music at the time. I was learning to play guitar, and you know, going to see a lot of uh, bands at the time. I was very very much a metalhead, and uh, I started to kind of aim more that way because I was taking these film classes, and they weren't very good, and there was no real funding to do anything where, you know, I knew people that were studying film and they were making films and they were working hands-on and we didn't have any of that. And It was a good place right. to be discouraged from being a film major. So I ended up switching colleges and I became a communications major. And okay. from there I, I ended up working um, at Sony, at a division of Sony, um, you know, very entry level, but it was, it was, a, it was a lot of fun. And at the time, you know, I always, you know, was inter- still interested in doing something in film or television. I put together my own cable access show, which was Jim Haggerty's Rock and Roll Party. And okay. it was it was a rather, you know, it, I, I was very I'm proud of it. It lasted for four years, and I pretty much right. did everything. I'd get the equipment, and I'd lug it out, and, you know, I'd shoot these interviews with these bands and film the, the, the performances and, get music videos from the record labels and show those. And we had a lot of really prestigious guests on. I mean, we had uh, um, Motorhead and Iron Maiden and Warrant and Slaughter and a lot of the hair bands and uh, L.A. Guns, who, you know, of course, figure into the story later. But, um, and and this was going okay, I guess. I was working in music. I was And I just started to, I don't know, think, wow, wasn't I supposed to make movies, though? So right, right, right. The idea was just, I, I remember thinking once, because I was still a big movie fan, and I would watch these really low-budget movies that no one ever heard of, you know, from 20 years ago, some movie from, like, you know, 1975 that probably played in two drive-ins in the middle of America. The people in it may not have even seen it. But I would, I would look at that, and, I, and I, would, I would look at, like, the cast and think, I've never heard of any of these people. This is probably the only film they ever made. But wherever they are today, they may become accountants or doctors or garbage men or whatever right. they're doing now. They've all got that. They can all say, you know, I once made a movie. I was once in a movie. And I thought that was cool. And I just – it was like a bucket list kind of thing. Like, you know, I want to make a movie just, just, just to do it, just to be able to say I did it, just so that, you know, 20 years from now I can, you know – pull it out of the closet and bore all my friends with it. So that right. was the idea. And I, I made the slasher, which I wrote going to and from work every day on a laptop and made for 200 bucks. Wow. And, and that wasn't even like, Hey, I had a fistful of $200 and, you know, spent it wisely. It was really me sitting around one day thinking, how much did this all cost? And just going back over it, like, all right, well, we paid $10 for this, we paid $5 for that, we paid $20 right. for this. <laughs> and I rounded it, think it came out to $200. And it's not a perfect movie. It certainly has its flaws. But, you know, it's got a beginning, a middle, and an end. It tells a story. It moves along at a brisk pace. I think a lot of the acting is actually really good. And I okay. always say I defy anyone to take 200 bucks and go make a better movie. So. <laughs> nice, nice. And there it was. Now, is that one of the ones that people can purchase off your site right now? 
That's actually not. That one is you can That's get it from not, the okay. site, but it's it's only the two that we have direct from uh from our site, which is Grave Danger and Witchmaster General. Witchmaster General. Okay. The other okay. two it'll take you to an Amazon link cuz it's available through them. It's it's actually the okay. 10th anniversary edition that we have of that, which has got extras and bonus stuff and you know, I mean, I was proud of it. It was it was a good thing. It wasn't easy no, though because great. after making it though, we got we couldn't really find a distributor for a long time. And then I made another movie called I Dream of Dracula, um, which we had the same problem, even though that was a bit more of a polished affair. But uh, you know, it took us a while. But but the thing was, like I, I said with the slasher, it was really just supposed to be the one. It was just, all right, we're just going to do this one movie, and I'm just going to be able to say, hey, I made a movie once, until I did it. And I never felt more alive than when I was making that movie right. or ever before. Right. It was, it really was just, I mean, we would start, it was shot on weekends, every Saturday morning, like we'd start around 10, we'd finish around midnight, 1 in the morning. I never took a break, I never ate. I never, you know, everybody else would kind of splinter off. Right, well, you guys go eat. I don't need you for a while, and you guys I need here. And, but I would be the constantly on, constantly working. I'd come home exhausted, but I was just had such a rush, such an adrenaline right, rush. Right, like, it just, sounds like you were just so passionate about it, and that was just something that really just struck you. And, and you know I, what I mean? I yeah. think everyone in, in their life has something that, like, I'm a surfer, and Personally, I know what, I know what you're talking about because I could be out in the water for hours and hours and just lose myself in it. And I know what you mean. It's it's hard to describe to someone who you know either doesn't have a passion like that or just hasn't been there. So that's that's amazing. So yeah, tell us a little like, bit about uh, when did talk- you as you're as you're talking about the movies. When did you decide to leave the Sony stuff and just say you know what this film thing is really you know where I, my heart is and where I need to be. Um, yeah, what was what was going on where you kind of made that decision, or or you did you just keep that job and continue to do the films? Well, no, no, I always I always kept the day job and just you know moved forward. And that like like I said, after you know the slash, we had all you know these high hopes for it, and um, it, it didn't. We couldn't find a distributor. And then the next one, you know, we'd learned a lot, and it was a lot more polished looking I thought um and that was I dream of dracula we had trouble finding a distributor for that it took a little while what do you think um just out of curiosity i mean in your mind what do you and i don't know much about what distributors are looking for or you know what i mean what kind of pulls them in but what do you think maybe was going on in terms of having a difficult time finding the distributors for them well it, we it was a lot of timing issues i think like we cuz the first movie we shot i used the equipment that i that I was using you know, from the cable company to do my show, mm-hmm. and that was a format called SVHS, which was sort of a higher grade of VHS, um, okay. and kind of looked a little camcordery because, you know, in in editing, it's not sort of like like digital is, where when you were editing, right. you were ma- basically making a copy of it. You know, when you copy videotapes, they never look as sharp. So you would be editing, you'd be copying it onto another tape and doing that, and then when you made you know, your master, maybe you're adding music, something like that, then you were making another copy. And then when you were making copies of it, then, you know, it's four or five generations down by the time anybody sees it. And it wasn't really the sharpest video quality to start with. So a lot of people, a lot of people liked it. You know, distributors, you know, actually said to me, you know, look, I like your movie personally. You know, I'm going to keep the screener you sent me, but 
it's the right. sort of thing that if we send it to, you know, buyers at stores back when there were stores that, you know, that bought a lot of, right. of films, there's so few now, really. I mean, when there were video, really, how much has changed in the 10 years or so since I've been doing this? But there were video stores. There were places like Tower Records that took a large volume of stuff. And the buyers there, he said, you know, they'll look at, you know, two minutes of a screener and go, oh, yeah, somebody made a movie with a camcorder. Click. Next. And we were up against right, that. Right, without so, actually paying attention to the content and what was in it. Exactly. And that's why, so right. then we started shooting digital after that one, which was because my grandmother, who I mentioned before, actually had passed away and left me a little money. I mean, really not very much, just, you know, right. a, a little. Aww. And it was, it was sort of like, well, all right, you know, like, you know, you know, I could just, you know, put this in my pocket and it'll go to groceries, it'll go to this, it'll go to that, and it'll be gone. Or I could do something with it. And I thought, you know, she would want me to to, to get something that will help me get to where I want to be. So, I, you know, I bought mm-hmm. my first digital camera with that. So, nice. which is why in all of my films, there's always a picture of my grandmother somewhere in there. It's kind oh, of a tribute cool. to her. Very cool. So, yeah. I mean, and <laughs> nobody cool. would probably pick it out. Nobody would find it. But I always know it's there. So right. that was that, and and you know we made that, but then even we had trouble with with uh, with that one with Dracula, and then finally it came down to. But the thing was, I'm not so much a businessman. I'm not so much you know a marketing mm-hmm. guy. I'm I'm an I don't want to sound pretentious, but you know I'm an artist or I'm I'm an artistic person. I'll right. come up with something. I don't know how to sell it to you. So I was having trouble. I was, you know, talking to a couple of different people, different distributors. And then I found there was this company, this, you know, small company, and they mostly put out a lot of, you know, old movies from the 40s, you know, old Bela Lugosi movies or Sherlock Holmes movies that were in the public domain. And they were starting to release movies that were kind of shot, you know, that that looked like my film, that were shot the same sort of way, like digitally. They were very low-budget and I thought, well, great, you know, they'll they'll take this. So I sent them a copy of I Dream of Dracula, and I was very excited because I thought, you know, we finally found a home for this. Right. And then I called right. I called the guy about a week later, like, did you watch it? And the guy basically sledgehammered me for like a half hour about how he hated the movie and what was wrong. Oh my with gosh! It. it was like the most brutal. It was. I couldn't get the guy off the phone. I remember being like, okay, well, you know, thanks for your time. I got to right. – no, no, wait. I got more things to tell you about how much I hated your movie. I'm not kidding. And it was just – Oh, my gosh. And it was it – was It's terrible. Such a, it, it was. And it was, it was – well, it was a big letdown. And I remember then, you know, I was I was sitting home then that day with my daughter, and we put on Spider-Man. She was watching that. And I'm sitting there kind of glum, and then we put on the second Spider-Man, and that ended. And by the time that was over, so it's like four hours later, as I say, you know, I kind of got my Irish up, and I just had this sort of, you know, the hell with this guy. If he doesn't want my movie, somebody will, because damn it, my movie's good. So I went right to my computer, and I just started, I was like on a, on a mission, almost just to prove <laughs> this guy wrong. And I found every single distributor that ever put out anything like this, and I started mailing out copies, and in a week or two, I got an email back from a company saying it was Brain Damage Films, and they said, we would love to distribute your film. Nice. Oh, and I just awesome. love the way it was phrased. We would love to. I pictured a desk of a bunch of guys in suits sitting there smiling. We would love to distribute your film. 
And <laughs> so, I, and and that was it. And then from there, it it you know that was kind of the first little bit of success. And then we carried on. And that's cool. I think that's a really good point that you make because I think especially you know especially when we're talking about entertainment industry and people trying to get their names out there and whatever their products, music, whatever it is that you're doing, you know there are a lot unfortunately letdowns and a lot of people that are not very positive and can be very critical. And I think you know you took the right attitude by kind of reframing it and saying you know what I'm not going to let this one person get me down. I'm going to just you know, go at it and find whatever I can, and someone's going to pick this up. And I think that's wonderful that you did that, and someone did. Yeah, I mean that's the thing you can't you can't stop believing in yourself. And I always really try to um, be positive with people because it's never good to you know to tell people they can't do something or that they have no business right. doing something or that they're you know. That's why I always kind of. I hate like all these, you know, singing shows, uh, you know, you know, the know. ones with <laughs> contest shows where, you know, you got to, oh, you're terrible, you're this, you're that. I, I don't believe in that, you know, because there's people I've seen people that, hey, I, you know what? I see people that are hugely famous that I I personally don't think have any talent at all, but right, look, right, they right. made it right, <laughs> so clearly I'm wrong. So so that's the I always kind of keep that in the back of my mind, you know, it's just an opinion, you know, it's really just your own opinion and and I and I think like you're saying too with the arts, I mean, it's very subjective. I mean, it's hard. It's not like a multiple choice question where it's like, okay, there's a right answer. It's it's very subjective and like you're saying it's in the eyes of the beholder. You might see one of these artists like Lady Gaga and be like, oh, you know, I I really don't get it." Whereas other people, you know, love it. So I I totally yeah. understand what you're saying. Yeah. Exactly. It's like, you know, you know, I, I don't get it, but you know, a lot of people do. So you know, so that's the thing. So who 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 am I, you know, if I met Lady Gaga or I actually don't mind her, but I mean there's somebody on that level that before they right. made it to tell them, "Yeah, you're terrible. You should stop doing this." Because how how wrong would I be? You know? I mean, clearly And if you actually, you know, it's interesting with her and I, I just, you know, you said it as an example. I I think she's very talented. Um, but uh, Howard Stern had finally gotten her on his radio show, and I'm, I'm a big fan of his. And it was fascinating because she, before she did make it, she had tons of people closing the door, she said, in her face. And it was just, you know, fascinating to hear some of the stuff that she was talking about. So, yeah, like you said, you just really have to keep at it and somehow find your niche and, and find those right people that you can, you know, connect with, connect with that believe in you. Um, you got to yeah, and you got to above all believe in yourself because you know there's right. no shortage of people that are going to tell you you can't do it. You know, mm-hmm. the, I, I, I've found there's always people out there, and that's why I try never to. You know, look, there's things I don't personally like, but and every now and then, hey, you know, I some of my films, I've, I've gotten a lot of good reviews and I've gotten some bad reviews, and. You know, I never let the good reviews go to my head, be, right. and, and I never let the bad reviews, you know, get me down because it's just an opinion. I mean, I always say critics have kind of got a great scam going. They always did. <laughs> when you think about it, somewhere along the line, they convinced someone, hey, you should pay me to watch movies or, or go to concerts right. and listen to records because my opinion is above everyone else's. That's a good point. Yeah, it's true when you think of. I mean, I always loved the great story. I I remember way back when, back in the eighties, Chevy Chase was on the Tonight Show with with Johnny Carson, 
And back then, and I guess he was promoting uh, the Three Amigos. And back then, you know, okay. the, the format of the show was such that, you know, after the first guest, you know, does the, I guess they were on for a couple of, you know, bits, you know, in those commercials, and then they come back from commercial, they bring on the next guest, and the first guest kind of moves down, and they don't really interact with him so much, but they you know, just bring out the next guest, and then he sits next to Johnny and talks. The okay. next guests were Siskel and Ebert. And so Johnny Carson's asking him, you know, it's the holidays, you know, what's a really good movie? You know, people are home, you know, the kids are home from school. What's a good movie to take the kids to? What's really good? And they're giving their recommendations. He's all right, what's a really terrible movie that's out now? Like, what, what would you <laughs> right. think people should stay away from? And Roger Ebert just said, well, sorry, Chevy, but I have to say The Three Amigos is probably the worst movie I've seen all year. And he oh went on gosh. and on about how bad it was. And when he finished, Chevy Chase didn't miss a beat and just said, well, gee, Roger, I can't wait to see your movie. Crowd went wild. Right. He won. <laughs> it's like, nice. there you go. That, nice. that, that's it. Because it's like, yeah, fine. Say what you want. But I'm a movie star. You're a guy who watches movies. And that's a good point, that's, yeah. That's the way, you know, I mean, look, you know, as far as film critics go, and I'm not, I'm not anti-critics. I'm not anti-anyone. But, you know, everybody has an opinion, you know how they say everyone's a critic? It's because everyone can be a critic. You can watch a movie. Right. I can watch a movie. We all can have our opinions. Opinions are not facts. They're not right. They're not wrong. They're just simply that. I mean, my cousin, I, uh, who I love to death, and we're very close, and we're similar in a lot of ways, we never agree on movies. Anytime he tells me he liked a movie, I go, ooh, I think I'm going to avoid that one. And vice versa. I tell him, hey, this was right. great. He goes and sees it, and he says, you liked that? I think we agreed on Apollo 18, which just came out. I don't think we've agreed on a movie since the Blues Brothers. But that's the thing. It's just an opinion. So, right. And then, you know, if you're so, taking an opinion, it's like I say, if somebody, you know, that I've never heard of, that I have no idea who they are or what they do, other than they're a critic, and they say, yeah, my movie's terrible, i got to take it with a grain of salt. Or if they say that it's wonderful, because, you know, it's just their opinion. Now, if somebody comes to me, that, you know, if Martin Scorsese came to me and said, hey, you know, your movies are crap. Stop making them. You know, that might that might make me think. It wouldn't make me right. stop, but it would at least make me think. You know, like, well, gee, this guy's got a point. Maybe I should try and rethink some things. Or, but, you know, that's, you, I mean, you can't. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I think, like, everyone, even with me, with whether it's my music or, you know, again, I've had people who just are, like, not interested in it. Other people are very interested in it. I'm very you know, unique and different when I, I'm not trying to copy someone. I'm not trying to, you know, pretend I'm someone else. I mean, I have my own style and stuff, and I think some people like that originality and some people don't, and that's okay. Um, original but I, is I a totally agree sell. with you. Original is really a tough sell. I said original is really a tough sell Yeah. because everybody's looking for something that's like something else. And it's, I think, no, I'm not saying original that I stand out like a sore thumb. I mean, if you stay on the air, I'll play one of my songs at the end of the show, but, you know, it's very commercial modern rock music, so you do hear some hints of maybe, you know, some people say I sound like Gwen Stefani, or they hear, you know, a little Evanescence in it, like, there's hints of stuff in it, but it's not something where you could say, ooh, that sounds like Paramore, that sounds really like Paramore, that sounds, you know what I mean, so I think with some, you know, some populations of people, they have a hard time when they can't categorize it. Whereas other people might say, oh, I hear hints of this and that, but this is cool because it's a little different. It's not trying to copy someone else. So, um, but I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. You know, people people yeah. are not necessarily looking for something new and exciting. They want something like I agree. what they've already, you know, it's, 
which is yeah. which is tough because you know I mean that's you know right now they're remaking every film ever made because I know what do you think of that what is your uh, I mean I think that's awful <laughs> but what well, is your uh, it depends on that you know it depends I mean because I I, I know that it, most people say and I generally agree that you know remake I mean, when. If something is a, I guess is I agree a, with you. I think certain ones need to stay the way they are, and maybe if you can do a really good job with something. I heard I haven't seen it, but for example, Rob Zombie, you know, redid Halloween. A lot of people rave about that. I haven't seen that yet. I don't know if you've seen it and what your thoughts are, but well, the um, thing is, to me, I, I feel like if you are taking a movie as iconic as Halloween, that still works. You know that you could still watch, and it doesn't look. Dated and it doesn't, you know, it it still packs a punch. Right. What? Why remake it? I, there's no there's no sense in it. Now, if you take something maybe that you know this was a really obscure movie nobody remembers, but you know we're gonna try and bring it up to date and you know maybe that's a good idea. I mean, I see movies. It's funny because I see sometimes they remake bad movies and and actually make good movies out of them. I mean. Give it, yeah, give an example of each one. Give an example of one that you said, you know, might not be that familiar to people, but someone takes it and does a really good job with it. Or, like you just said, another one that, you know, it's already been a good movie, but it, it's still okay to remake. Because I'd be interested in seeing what your, your thoughts are. Well, I really liked um, the remake of My Bloody Valentine. which I've was, never seen that. Okay. It was in, it was in 3D. The 3D was really good. I thought it was, and I remembered seeing it as a kid and not being mm-hmm. overly impressed with it. And I liked it a lot, you know. And this was, of course, before everything was in 3D. I think Sex and the right. City 3 will be in 3D at this point, but this is when it was <laughs> a bit more of a novelty. And it was a really, really well done horror movie. I went back and looked at the original and thought, no, I was right the first time. This wasn't too good, but the. The remake, they 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 really brought it brought something to it. I mean, because I guess they had a good framework of a story. Mm-hmm. Okay. A, a movie I always say that should be remade, and maybe some people would throw rocks at me for saying it, but I always <laughs> thought the movie Scanners, David Cronenberg. I don't know if I've film. heard of that one. Okay. Oh, it's great. It's a great movie. It's about um, these people who were, you know, at birth given this um, this medication as as babies which they, I forget whether they realized it later or it was intentional that it gave these kids, you know, sort of psychic powers. And, oh, you know, huh. I, they were able to mind control, telekinetic powers. And then the idea was the government wanted to round them up and create a, an army of scanners, yet several okay. of the scanners had gone rogue and were starting their own army to take over the world. It was a great idea. It was a great story. But when you look at it, that's a movie where a lot of the effects look very antiquated and, and the right. acting's not quite good. You know, you look at it like if they re- if they did this over, I think they could make a great movie out of it. Hmm. But I Interesting. Mean, but to take something like Night of the Living Dead and remake it or the Texas Chainsaw right. Massacre. Yeah. You know, and oh, and the, right. the one thing I'll say is, you know, it's funny because my wife's not as big a horror movie fan as I am at all. And okay. I know a long time ago we had um, we'd rented the remake of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre because I was curious, and you know she watched it and didn't have any real feeling about it either way. Had 
never seen the original. Okay. And I, oh, last Halloween, I was on this mission to kind of show her all the classic horror movies that she'd never seen. <laughs> Cool. And I showed her the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and she was almost ill. Like, she really found it terrifying. She was telling me, I'm not going to sleep tonight. I'm probably not going to sleep all week after. I was really <laughs> horrified. And I said, but you watched the remake. The remake is so much gorier than this. And she said, yeah, but the remake was just so over the top. I mean, this is intense. Right, right. Which, to me, it just goes to show you. I mean, you know, the real... Ace filmmaking and 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 tension and and acting it, it it it's I put that up against all the special effects in the world. I know yeah. I miss some of those ones from like like you're saying the the original Texas Chainsaw. I like I just like the way it was shot and I and I saw Rob Zombie's um, The Devil's Rejects and I really you know I was I don't know I was a little disappointed with the actual film itself in terms of I thought it was really good but I just for some reason, expected more. I love the way it was shot. I thought the acting was great. But for some reason, I just, I guess, content-wise, I was expecting a little more. So I was a little well, disappointed, you know. That's ahead. the problem with a lot of films is the style over substance. And I think that yeah, that's for a lot of great. People. You know, because to me, filmmaking is a storytelling medium. That's what it right. is first. Before you worry about your shot composition, before you worry about even, you know, the acting or the performances, before you worry about any of that stuff, do you have a story? And that was, you know, I see movies all the time that look great, but, you know, it's sort of like getting a a beautifully wrapped gift and you open it up and it's an empty box. You know, if you don't have a story, it doesn't work. (laughs) It's a good analogy. Right. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's... I mean, if if you can't tell a story... I'm sorry, go ahead. No, it's just that I always tell people that it, the story is the most important thing, and you have to be able to tell the story. Um, if you make a film and people don't understand it, you failed. You know, there's always right. – there used to be this sort of snobbery of, oh, well, you know, you can't understand this film because, you know, you're – like – it was made for smarter people or it was made for film scholars, but you know, everybody goes to the movies, you know, not just, right. it's, it's not mm-hmm. just film historians that go to the movies. It's everyone goes to the movies and you know, your plumber goes to the movies, your, your architect goes to the movies, your travel right. agent goes to the movies. They all didn't study film. If you can't tell a story that they all can under that they can all understand, you failed. It's not a shortcoming of them. It's you. And that's right. that's what I always tell people, because you know if, if you know that should be your concern. Does it make sense, or are people going, you know, I, I didn't get this. Why was he doing this anyway, or what happened here? I remember one of the James right. Bond movies with uh, the Pierce Brosnan ones. I thought he was very good as James Bond, but I had no idea what the story was. Two hours into it, because they're always like three hours long. Two hours into it. I said to the person with me, what is this movie about? What? Why are they here right now? What exactly is this about? person with me couldn't answer it. So gotcha. well, that's, that's bad filmmaking. Real quick, Jim, let's take a, let's take a quick phone call because I see someone's in the switchboard. They've been online for a few minutes, so uh, let's no. bring them on, okay? Okay. All right. Yeah, hold on one second. Okay, uh, area code 945, you are on with the filmmaker Jim Haggerty. Uh, hello, Jim. Hello, Carrie. Hi. Hey, who's this? Uh, this is Jeff from Hollywood, Florida. Oh, thanks for calling in, Jeff. How are you? 
Jeff. Good, good. Yeah, I, I think that name might be familiar to, to Jim. He might know something about me. Um, I do. <laughs> I want to um, the cannibal I, 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 death gods. I, uh, that's true. I, I actually have a couple of questions for him now that I've got him uh, uh, online and I don't have to type it into my computer. Okay, <laughs> go ahead. Uh, first off, um, you, some of the films you've done, you've done with uh, actions that have gotten kind of a reputation in the horror film, and, and more specifically the, the low-budget indie horror film, um, uh, Susie Lorraine and Tina Cross, to name two. Um, how much do you think that impacts the the saleability and the, the marketability of your films as opposed to a low-budget production that doesn't have that kind of uh, attachment to it? Um, well, I think pretty well. I mean, my best my my best known film, as I say, the, the film that you know, if I die tomorrow, they'll they'll mention it on my headstone that uh, I made it, was Witchmaster okay. General, because you know not only was Susie Lorraine in that, but um, Phil Lewis of L.A. Guns, the singer from L.A. Guns, and Vic Martino of The Sopranos, and um, Colleen Marie, the Playboy Playmate, so it was sort of my all-star epic, and. I, yeah, I think it it does help because there's always name recognition. I mean, I remember years ago, like I say, you know, all those trips to the video store, you'd see some really low-budget horror movie or TNA comedy, and it would say, you know, starring Bob Smith from Ghostbusters. And you'd think, Bob Smith from Ghostbusters? Who the hell was he in Ghostbusters? And if you were really curious, you went home and checked it and saw he was, you know, guy number four in the diner. But, <laughs> hey, they can use that. He was in Ghostbusters. And, so I think that a little name recognition, it, it gives you that slight edge that, okay, this movie, who's in this? I don't know any of these people. Oh, well, this person I've heard of. So, yeah, I, I think it does. And, you know, it doesn't hurt to have a little star power. I think anything you can do to bring some attention to, to your film always helps. So so my second question would be, um, with uh, with independent filmmaking, I mean, you know, we know what it's like that it's, it's really done in the bare bones and and don't have the luxury that money brings to uh, a production, uh, which in many cases money is definitely a luxury. Um, but uh, how much of your filmmaking now is is still like guerrilla filmmaking, or and how much of it do you actually have to go through? And you're able to go through the processes now of of you know. And, and not to put you on the spot, but like pulling permits and stuff like that, or is it still like, okay, guys, there's no one around, set up the camera quick. <laughs> That's a good question. Did you ever see the movie Ed Wood? <laughs> yes, we I don't did. have a permit. Run. Yeah, it's a lot like that. I'm going to one day write a book, The Guide to Guerrilla Filmmaking, G-O-R-I-L-L-A. But it's it's true. I mean, it's you know, we we do every, we do a lot of things very much on the fly because you know we have to because I mean permits and things are insane. I, when when you I don't know how it is in Florida, but I know in New York it's it's through the roof. You know, to do anything like that. I mean, certainly you know the, the blessing is the curse. You're in New York. You've got all these great locations, all these great people, but there's definitely a big price tag to it for locations. Locations are hard to come by. They're worth their weight in gold. Um, you know, as, as well as, as anything else. But you know, you, you got to try and figure out a way to get it done. Uh, it's that's what I, I always say. You, you have a vision. You got to figure out how to make it work. And and in a lot of ways, you know, this may sound silly, but I think that low budget, independent guerrilla filmmaking, whatever you want to call it, is what separates the men from the boys. I mean, when you look at what can be done now on a large scale, and I just seen a presentation recently um, of 
things that can be done through CGI and special effects and this and that. I mean, stuff you wouldn't even. And I'm not just talking about things that you would expect, like Avatar. But you're just looking at a, you know a movie that seems fairly you know straightforward, and you see these guys weren't even in the same room. This building doesn't really exist. This is all a composite. They did this. They put that in there, and this was just a one guy on a soundstage. It's so impressive what they can do, but then that sort of takes kind of the organic nature out of it. Mm-hmm. That's, in a way, I always say I, I respect, you know, the Ed Woods of the world and the guys who, you know, were making 1950s flying saucer movies more than I respect, you know, guys making things like Transformers 2 because, you know, if you could just go tell a bunch of smarter guys, okay, I want giant robots that turn into cars and they're marching over buildings in the city and I'll be back after lunch to give you some corrections. That's not really filmmaking. (laughs) Saying, okay, I want flying saucers. How do I do that? I've got 50 bucks and a bunch of paper plates. You know what? He improvised. He figured out how to make that happen. It doesn't look particularly good, even by 1950 standards. But you know what it's supposed to be. You got it. So, I don't know. I feel like that's more the challenge when you don't have all the toys and you don't have all the the permits or the money to kind of work your way around it. And, you know, it can be limiting, but, you know, you can come out with some pretty impressive results too. So my, nice. my final question yep. is, uh, just really to go, my last question is, seen any good movies lately? Have I seen <laughs> I tried to watch one last night. <laughs> uh, yeah, Jeff, actually, I met him on Facebook. He made a film called Island of the, of the Cannibal Death Gods. And okay. I was just—I was trying to finally get a chance to sit down and watch it, but by the time everyone, uh, by the time the family left, you know, for grandma's last night, I was so spent. I—I I, I don't think I managed to get through the opening credits. Not—not not because I wasn't enjoying it, just because I was so tired. But I'll—I'll I'll make another attempt. You that's because you probably weren't using your special 2D glasses and the scratch and sniff card that came with it. That's right. That's right. I'll—I'll I'll try it that way. Maybe that'll help. <laughs> oh, and Jeff, Jeff, you'll. Feel free to plug uh, your film, and uh, is it available? Do you have a website for it? Uh, yes, it is, actually. It's, it's available uh, through a website. It's available, actually. You can uh, watch it directly on Facebook, or you can uh, download it uh, worldwide through a, a company called Distrify. Um, it's Island of the Cannibal Death Gods. It's got a Facebook page. It's got a website. Uh, you okay. can buy the deluxe edition DVD like, uh, like Jim has with his special scratch and sniff card and the uh, fabulous 2D glasses that lets you watch the movie in 2D like it's meant to be. Okay. Those, those great special effects. And, uh, yeah, it's available right now. Very cool. That's awesome. What other films real quick have you done? Do you do a lot of filmmaking, I guess, too? Uh, right now that's uh, that's my first feature that I've done. I've done a bunch of shorts, which uh, hopefully no one will ever see. Uh, and I've, I've never <laughs> seen a lot today outside of a couple of local film festivals. And uh, hopefully none of them will ever, you know, that's, that's, they're the kind of shorts that people will say, oh, look at what this guy did. Let's make fun of him now. Um, so, yeah, that, that's this is my first feature, but I'm working on a couple of more right now. So, Very cool. Well, good luck to you with everything. That's awesome. And definitely uh, definitely keep in touch. And if you're interested in maybe coming on one day, uh, you can forward me a copy of your cool. home or something. I'll check it out. And then Jim can come on the phone and uh, and ask me embarrassing questions about whether that's I've seen right. movies or not. <laughs> <laughs> nice talking to you. Thank you. Take Thanks care. so much for calling in, Jeff. Take care. Bye. Cool. Hey, we're back. Very good. There we go. So yeah, for so for his question, did you answer his question? Have you seen any good films lately? What did you say? It's been a long day, Jim. 
Uh, have, I, have I seen the um, – I haven't been to the – actually, I, I just but went to see Mission Impossible. Even if something Impossible. you rented, something you saw on TV. I saw Mission Impossible 4, and I was the only person who apparently didn't like it. Because my folks saw it, you know, about a week later, and kept called me up three times to complain to me. How did you not like this? It was great. So uh, right. <laughs> so uh, I guess it was good. I just didn't realize it. I don't know. I I didn't dislike it. I liked the other three a lot better, though. I, I just was a little disappointed in it. But um, okay. So t- talk a little bit about like what was the first horror? Was it the Santa Claus one? Like what was the first horror film that you? I'm just curious that you ever remember seeing that really caught your attention. Wow. Well, Alien, really. Um, okay. Probably, because I remember, again, at my grandmother's house watching it on a Friday night, and because uh, she had HBO, and, and um, really wanting to see it and really impressed by it. It was such a great movie. And now there's a movie that should never be remade. There's a movie that I... Just saw that in a theater about a year or two ago, uh, and it's okay. such an amazing movie. It, it is a good movie. It, yeah. It's humbling as a filmmaker because it's one of these things. I sit there with my mouth open the entire time and go, "Wow, I really could never do something like this." I mean, it's just artistry. And when you look at it, that's a movie that if that came out tomorrow, no changes, nothing, that would look contemporary. That would look. You know, mm-hmm. there's nothing there that you would say, except maybe the computer with the black screen with the green writing, which is probably the only thing I could pick out. Every, it does not look like a movie from 1979. I mean, it's a great, great movie. It's still powerful. It's still suspenseful. It's 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 brilliant. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. And cool. then I always come back to Night of the Living Dead as well. Yeah, it's a good one too. Yeah, it's, definitely. You know. I mean that was that was probably a movie that first made me really think, you know, I might be able to do this. Just in that it was it was a low budget movie that, you know, it was, you know, the first time I think any of those people ever made a film or did something like that. And what they came out with was just so impressive on so many levels. And it's a movie yeah, that still works today. Yeah. One of the ones that I used to love growing up was Amityville Horror, the original. Okay. Did you ever see that? I did. I was never overly impressed with that one. I don't know I, what it was about that one. I just, I guess the the creepy haunted, again, I don't know, growing up, I just, I love that one. I just was very, you know, again, I love the Texas Teen Saw, um, like you said, Night of the Living Dead, Psycho, you know, all those movies. But for some reason, I always was just... You know, just drawn to that one. I'm not sure what it was about. <laughs> well, you know, again, it's 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 got to click with you. I guess it just never clicked with right. me. But and oddly, I'm I, I've seen the house. I've you know, it's 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 I I grew up in Long Island, so it wasn't too far. Right. One of my first girlfriends took me there to see it. He's like, you know, you want to see the Amityville Horror House? It's right around here. And, you know, <laughs> it, it's just a house, <laughs> but uh, right. You know, I mean, it was, it was, uh, I, that's another one. I, I saw the remake recently. I actually thought the remake was pretty good. Um, okay. Yeah, I, I was, I thought it was all right. I don't remember much about the original. I remember not being wild about it, but I maybe okay. have to visit, revisit that. I, I, I saw, again, I saw it with my cousin. He was liking it. I, I wasn't. So, <laughs> another one of our disagreements. 
But That's okay. uh, what do you what do you think of movies like uh, The Human Centipede? And I haven't seen it, but I would love to interview that person who made that film. I don't have any interest in that. I just that just seems too. Uh, I don't know. Well, to me, the, it is over the top, but it's just the for me as a psychologist, the thinking that goes behind that and who would even think of that concept is just, you know, it's comical on one level, it's disturbing on, on another level, and to me it's just fascinating. I don't know. I just think it's just really uh, interesting. It's not my thing. It's not my kind of thing. Because I'm, I'm, right. I don't like torture movies. Like, I really okay. don't. And I, I, I kind of find it sort of troubling almost because, I mean, you know, I make horror <laughs> movies. I make movies that, you know, they have violence in them. They're usually very, you know, there's usually some humor to them. I mean, you know, from the inside is a bit darker. But most of my movies are a lot more humorous. There's always humor to them. And, you know, I did make a comedy, too. But it's not, um, I, I don't like to watch people suffering. I don't, I'm not into that okay. whole, you know, I've never watched any of the Saw movies. I've never watched Hostel. It just doesn't appeal okay. to me. To me, a horror movie, a good horror movie what I hope to achieve is sort of like a roller coaster ride. You know, you get on, you're you're a little nervous, you're a little tense. This adrenaline rush, you scream, you jump, and then when it's over, you kind of feel energized, like wow, that was fun. Let's do that again. I don't like okay. to come away from a movie feeling like God. I feel dirty <laughs> after watching that. I I feel really icky. I I I'm going to be thinking about this for days. You know, I, that's not. Right. I don't like, mind. It, and I don't know. I'm trying to think of this kind of like last house on the left. Now, I don't really remember. I remember watching the original one a little bit, but again, I was, you know, young when I was watching that, and it was. Did you ever hear that one? Yeah, I've seen it. The original. Oh, you have seen it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it was probably pretty, you know, over the top with a lot of, like you said, torture and people being, you know, taken advantage of and stuff. But, um,. So just like you're saying, not like movies like that, because that's just kind of... What, what, what intrigues me, and, you know, this is something maybe you could speak to as, as a psychologist, but right. um, I find it kind of troubling that. I mean, like in my films, not even just in my films, even in, in regular films, I've seen criticisms of, you know, where people will say, you know, in my films, like, if there's nudity, like, oh, why is there nudity? That's completely gratuitous. They'll get, You know, they'll be very offended by that never have a problem with violence. You know, and even movies right. that come out, like, you know, mainstream movies, like, you know, I remember seeing some horror movie, and there was, you know, a woman, there was a nude scene, and, and there was loads of violence in this movie, really extreme violence. And all the comments you would see that people would post on the Internet Movie Database or all the reviews I read, you would see a lot of, people saying, oh, did we really need nudity? Did we really need to see that actress's breasts? Blah, blah, blah. Never saw one person say, the violence was a little bit much. Did we really have to see that guy's head ripped (laughs) in half? Well, maybe people, I don't know. I mean, you know, I could comment a little bit. I'd have to think about it a little more. But is it that we are so conditioned to violence today that when we're exposed to it, we don't have... Not that we're not conditioned to, to nudity, because, I mean, there is a lot of that out there, but I think people, you know, get a little, I don't know how you want to describe it, a little finicky when that stuff happens, whereas the violence, you're kind of, well, I don't it know. It seems almost like we've we've kind of gone in a direction where 
people have become very prudish sexually. Like right. Well, really that's don't right. That sort of thing. And yet violence, we've kind of opened the floodgates on. You know, mm-hmm. that there's so many of these movies. I mean, they call these movies torture porn. That's kind of the accepted term for these kind of movies, which, you know, torture porn, that indicates... I've never the, heard right, that so before. That's interesting. You've never heard that? That's No, movies like I've never Saw, heard that Hostel, term, no. The term that they refer to them, they refer to them as torture porn movies. And that indicates, well, you know, porn, all right, so so is this to mean that you're getting off watching people tortured? I mean, that's disturbing. And these... These are not, you know, underground movies that, you know, you you get from some, you know, shady website or, you know, in some, like, you know, dodgy video store. These are movies playing at Hollywood multiplexes, you know, that are are right out there, that that are coming out from major studios, and that's all okay. And yet if there's anything sexual, people, oh, no, 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 we can't see this. This is dirty. It it seems a little backwards to me. It seems a little weird. Right, right. Yeah, I don't know. I, that is interesting. I mean, well, there there are a lot of sadistic people out there that do, you know, get some gratification and unfortunately get off on seeing people, like you're saying, get tortured. And, yeah, I mean, unfortunately there are people like that. I I work with people in, uh, you know, my forensic background that, that do have things like that. So it's that's fascinating, too, to see how that developed and looks from, you know, a bunch of different psychological perspectives for how that might have uh, originated. Um, but, yeah, no. So let's talk, okay, so, but great conversation. I, I just wanted to pick your brain about, you know, films and things that you like. So why don't you talk about the um, the upcoming film that you're working on, The Plug Bad, and some of the people that are going to be in it, and uh, what you anticipate uh, coming well, with that film, and then we'll... Well, it, it it always it always seems like I've got several you know movies in various states of being new, but uh, okay. I mean, well, because I mean, because from the inside and our comedy is this a joke are both they've been available through our website. Now they're getting a wide release through Tempe Video on February twenty eighth. So I they're cool. probably going to be thank you. They're going to be more available than they have been. I mean, because you know, there's a certain amount of people that you know go to our website and know our stuff. But then, you know, this is going to you know have put it in a lot of places. You know, the Amazon places like that that uh, cool. they wouldn't have previously been, which is exciting. Um, but the film that um, we're we're completing now is uh, another anthology film. It was going to be a sequel to Grave Danger, but I thought that the stories were were different in tone. It was originally planned as Grave Danger 2, but I thought that the tone was kind of different for this one. Um, okay. So cause Grave, Grave Danger was more humorous, a little more jocular. Um, this one, well, there's one story that's got some humor too. It's very dark humor, but uh, they're, they're, they're more horror-type stories. It's called When Death Calls, and um, we are lucky enough to have... Uh, your old friend and mine, Susie Lorraine, um, in yeah. the film, as well as Tina Kraus. Um, so we've got you know two of two of the two of the biggest and best uh, scream cre- scream queens of all mm-hmm. time in the film, which is very exciting. And um, it's it's kind of neat. Um, Tina Kraus plays a uh, school teacher uh, coming ho- who's home from a uh, Halloween party. At school, and uh, Susie Lorraine okay. plays, and Susie Lorraine plays a a radio DJ actually, you know, and uh, someone's calling her up, telling her scary stories on Halloween. 
cool. I'd love to see so, it. That would be really neat. Yeah. And we're hoping to have it completed by April. Um, we're still in post-production. It's gone through a lot of changes since we started, but um, I think you know I think it's good. My wife thinks it's the best thing I've done so far. Nice. Nice. I like to reserve my judgment until I see it all in one piece. But, um, you know, I'm optimistic about it. I'm very happy with it. And, uh, you know, so we're we're, we're trying to, to get that done. And that, that'll that be a lot of fun. And, cool. Uh, well, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I mean, um, yeah, definitely I'd love to see a copy of that when it's done. So definitely get in touch with me. It would be cool. And, yeah, please, because uh, it's – I can't believe it's already been an hour. My interviews, I could – I'm becoming more like Howard Stern. I could stay on the air forever, <laughs> but unfortunately, <laughs> um, yeah, we got to start, you know, wrapping things up. But I definitely want to, um, you know, have you plug everything where people can, uh, you know, access your films. And just again, Jim, thank you, you know, for coming on. And you're an awesome guest. And wish you much. I wish you, excuse me, it's been a long day. Much continued uh, success with everything you're doing. Thank you very much, and uh, thank you for having me. It's uh, been a real honor to talk to you. Yeah, and again, please plug all of your, your websites if you're on Twitter, um, where people can, you know, access all of your films. All right. Well, yeah, it's uh, the big hub is net, And, uh, of course, if you're listening to this live tonight, we still have the fundraiser for tonight only. And uh, if you want to be thanked in our next film, make a small donation or pick up one of the films we have available. Or... Um, Apart from that, you know, you can you can generally check out our website for uh, all the fun and exciting stuff. We're on Facebook, um, Yellow Ape Productions, and we and of course you can find me on Facebook, Jim Haggerty Filmmaker, and uh, that's pretty much it. Um, thank you very much. It's been uh, it's been yeah. great talking to you. Thank you so much, Jim, for coming on. It was a pleasure. Okay. Sure. We'll be in touch. All right. Absolutely. Okay, take, take care. care. Bye. Good night. Bye. All right, everyone. Again, that was uh, filmmaker Jim Haggerty. That was on the Carrie Edelman show tonight. And uh, please check him out at Yellow Ape Productions. Uh, I'm sorry, yellowape.net. And you can find him on Facebook, Yellow Ape Productions, as well as, like he said, filmmaker Jim Haggerty. And please purchase one of his films and help support his next project. Um, next week, I'm not sure what's coming up yet. I do have an open date as one of my people, um, unfortunately, had uh, had to cancel and reschedule. So we might have another show next week. So I'm going to be on top of that. The, weekend, the week after that, which will be the 31st, I will have on this amazing songwriter and guitarist, uh, Steve Bellow. He's a really awesome guitarist, and he's going to be coming on to uh, debut some of his music off of his new album so i also want to please if anyone is out there and is a hard rock fan and you know i got a couple extra minutes i'm going to play two songs tonight so please hang in there with us uh we have a band called rains and they were recently featured on my show two weeks ago they are an independent band they do not support right now uh labels they are doing everything on their own they've had many offers but they want to continue uh, trudging this industry by doing everything independently and on their own. And right now they are doing a Kickstarter um, promo. So if you go to kickstarter.com and you look up RAINS, that's spelled R-A-I-N-S, um, they are currently raising money for their sophomore album. Their first album is amazing. It is hitting uh, their songs, the singles they have out, 
which include Liar and Look in My Eyes. They're hitting the top ten on Sirius XM Octane Radio. These guys just got off a tour with Five Finger Death Punch, Hate Breed, uh, All That Remains, and they're going back on tour starting in February with another huge list of uh, really big-name bands. So I'm supporting these guys. Um, They're really doing this on their own. Again, I can empathize and appreciate with everything they're doing. So I'm going to uh, support them tonight. We're going to check out one of their songs. This is going to be called Look in My Eyes. And please go to Kickstarter. Even a dollar will help. We're just looking to raise $10,000. That's what they're looking to do. And they're partially there. They're a little over 3,000 right now. They have about 15 days to go. So again, if they have over, you know, 23 to 30,000 fans on their Facebook page. So if everyone put a dollar in, uh, they would definitely reach their um, uh, their limit that they need to reach. So please, let's check out Rain's Look in My Eyes. You can check them out at rainsmusic.com. When we come back, I will feature one of the singles off of album, which is called Leave It All Behind, and that is currently on iTunes. So everyone, check out Look in My Eyes by Rain's. Thinking that you 
everyone again that was Reigns with their hit single, Look In My Eyes. It's currently featured on Sirius, Oxen, Sirius XM Octane Radio where it's been hitting the top ten on the countdowns. Again, please support this band. They're an amazing band. Go to kickstarter.com and search Reigns. A couple of bucks would, would help support uh, raising money for their sophomore album. Okay, and to tie up the show tonight, we're going to uh, play my hit single. It's a ballad off of my album, uh, Leave It All Behind. It's called Another Life. And if you're interested in searching for my full-length album, you can search Carrie Edelman under iTunes, Amazon Music, and any of the major digital sites. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in tonight. We appreciate your support. Uh, The fans mean the world to me. And again, if you're interested in becoming a guest on the show or you want to learn more about the show, search The Carrie Edelman Show on Facebook. I also have a personal page on Facebook, a music page. Um, I can be followed on Twitter at Carrie Edelman. And my formal official website is CarrieEdelman.com. Thanks again, and please check out my song now, Another Life. 